Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? This is Sugbury, and I am the host of the best radio show ever. Just got to tell you, Amen. him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. We have so much content. We've got such excitement. I got to tell you, ladies, I was laying by the pool. Yes, it, it's warm weather right now. Laying by the pool, and I could not put this book down. I can't wait for you guys to meet the woman we're going to be interviewing today. The topic today is called hookers for Jesus. John, did you know that? I did not know that, Shug. Uh, you know, I had to I had to clear it with Salem to make sure they didn't kick me off the air. You know, I'm always doing crazy stuff that like marijuana and everything else. Yeah. An extra long drum roll for it, that one, right? It, it does. Absolutely. But what a topic we have today. Hookers for Jesus. And I'm sitting with one of my best co-hosts, Reagan Kramer. Reagan, thank you for coming on. Such a blast to be here. So can't wait to talk to our special guest. Today. Yeah. Would you tell us a little bit about who we have on today? I would love to. Annie Lobert is a wife, speaker, and author of the riveting book, Fallen. And she is a survivor of more than a decade of sex trafficking in Hawaii, Minneapolis, and Las Vegas. She is known for being one of the first women to openly speak about her experiences in being sex trafficked and one of the first to start a nonprofit outreach and safe house to help victims of abuse. She currently hosts a talk show on CTN Vegas called Pink Chair and has been on many featured national broadcasts, the Dr. Oz Show, Fox News Network, the Today Show 2020, uh, the 700 Club, and Annie has been interviewed in major publications across the country. She has valuable training to offer with her inside view and background to assist in educating the public and stirring them to action regarding prostitution and sex trafficking. And Annie, what I love most about you and what you're doing is your heart for people who are living in the darkest corners of the world through prostitution and sex trafficking. And I read your book within 36 hours and I absolutely was riveted and I'm so thankful that you're here. Welcome, Annie Lobert. I am so honored to be here, and I'm so excited, ladies. Come on! Yay. Let's go. And Amen. she's from Minnesota. You know, I'm so excited about the pink chair. On, I can't get that out of my head. I love that. I want to get a pink chair for my interviews. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so your book is set up. I'm going to get jump right into it, Annie. Are you hanging on? Are you ready? I am. I'm ready. Good. Your book is set up by chapters telling your life story. Wow, I am in awe of what you have gone through. Would you start off by sharing why you wrote the book fallen anytime we are in a life-changing moment it is really good to never forget it right Mm -hmm. never and and what happened to me after I overdosed and not that I'm telling the whole story is I knew that there was a definite like geom purpose for my life like it was a blueprint that God had set out for me and I didn't really understand in the very beginning after I re-surrendered my life to God, but I was piecing my life together and 
within the first two years, I would say, of my healing, I knew that I needed to get it on paper, and I started writing it. So actually, the real, original intent of this book was way back in 2005, but as we all see, the publication date is 2015. Sometimes stories don't need to be immediately written down because there is so much healing that needs to happen in between mm-hmm. that had you written that in in let's say 10 years prior, the insights and the wisdom and the revelations and, and the just the total learning experience of what you've been through and, and the, the looking back going, wow, yeah. wouldn't, would not be as strong and as inspirational as, as if you would have written it the moment it had happened, right? So you know, that's why I wrote it, but that's why it took me longer as well. Wow. But yeah. there's another, t- another reason behind that too. No publication company, and this is going to make you kind of mad, no Christian publication company, book company, would take us on. Really? They said our subject was too racy. Oh, man. Oh, don't. We're not going to talk about sexual abuse and trafficking and prostitution. Hmm. Hmm. You know, this is a show where we tell it like it is, and this is something that needs to be talked about. As a matter of fact, God even tells us in the book of Psalm 107. You know, chapter 107, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. And in your book, you kind of break it down into chapters. And I, I, we're going to get that out on the airwaves. We're going to talk about this. It's a topic that we need to talk about. Ladies, if you're just tuning in, my name is Shugbury, Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. Today's hot topic is super hot called Hookers for Jesus. We're with Annie Lobert. I'm so thankful to have her on. So in your first chapter, you had me gripped right away. Ladies, you got to pick up this book. It's so good. Hookers for Jesus, Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. You talked about in Little Girl Lost, you write about your childhood in your dysfunctional relationship with your father and wanting to win over his approval. Now, for the men that do listen to our show out there, why is it important to a young girl that she has her dad's approval, and how did it shape your view for men? This is the thing. God designed our family for a reason. Mm-hmm. We need for children to have a balanced family. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless if there's no father around, there needs to be a father figure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there is a father, he needs to love her and show her his approval and his acceptance and his love for her. And that's something that I never got. And what happens is it's been proven even by psychologists and doctors research about children that have a parents that either abandon them or they're just not there for them or they're physically, mentally, emotionally abusive, that it, it affects the child so deeply mm-hmm. that the child can actually experience childhood trauma, and that could develop into complex trauma, which, by the way, ladies, I do believe I had it. It is so important that a father is a father to a little girl, because the little girl looks to that father as her future dating partner, her future husband. Mm -hmm. Even though that sounds kind of weird, here's the thing, is that we need to know what it's like to be respected, to be loved fully, and comfortable with a man in our life. You know, of course, without the sexual part, yes. but what a godly man, a someone that protects, that provides, that that pushes them into their destiny type of man in their life. If they don't have that, mm-hmm. which is what's happened to me, mm-hmm. 
you will look for love in places in the darkest corners because you don't know what love looks like. Mm-hmm. So your identity with love is just non-existent. You're just, you're basically looking in the dark, walking in the dark. That's why I call it little girl lost. Mm-hmm. I'm walking in the dark trying to figure out who I am. And your parents more than more often than not will define who you are. Right. Yes. So if my parent abused me, that means I'm unworthy. That means I'm unlovable. That means there's something wrong with me. This is what we tell ourselves, our self-talk and our self-language. Yeah. Yeah. And so when that father is not there or if he's like my father was, he was a father that abandoned us with his work ethic and abandoned relationship with us. Like I did not have a relationship with my father. Only disciplinary style relationship until mm-hmm. later in my life. Obviously you have to read the book and get it. So. Yes, you do. <laughs> it is so important though, ladies, I cannot stress that enough. It really shapes our brain, yes. our, our entire experience with men. And so my void of non-love was filled with men that were a lot like my father, believe it or not, their personalities, because I, your mind instinctively subconsciously goes to this place where it wants to repeat a scenario to correct it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. And it's, it's, that's where addiction goes in and codependency comes in, right? Yeah, exactly. Annie, so happens. you were looking for the white picket fence life based off of Disney movies. You had that void in your heart from growing up. You wanted to fall in love and live happily ever after becoming the, it was like the goal of your life that you said in your book. So how did this dream that you had impact your decisions going forward? I really believe, first of all, in that whole fairy tale. I, I still do to this day. I do believe it's possible, and I do believe if I would have known who I was and my worth and value, that would have probably happened for me. And not a perfect scenario, obviously, because life has its up and downs. There's sadness and depression. There's mm-hmm. grief, but then there's joy, and then there's success and overflowing of of just peace and, and just purpose and destiny. Right. Right. So for me, I really, really believed I could be the factor that would change. My decisions could change my trajectory that I thought was going to happen in my life because I decided when looking at my mom and dad's relationship, Mm -hmm. there was no way in bloody, you know what Mm -hmm. I was going to accept that as my relationship to a man. Yeah. I was, I, I was determined not to be with an abuser. I was determined to have a physical relationship with my husband and uh, a very loving one at that, by the way. I believed that there, a wife and a husband needed to love each other and mm-hmm. touch each other and love each other publicly in front of their kids. Not the sexual part, but mm-hmm. I never saw that with my parents. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, what do I do? I go look for it. Mm-hmm. I go fishing for it. And media was a big influence in your life. And so you've Absolutely. talked about your father. You've talked about, um, you know, your white picket fence dream that you have. Now you're in the corporate world. You're working for IDS. I used to sell to IDS. I was working for Control Data at the time. Can you tell us, and I know our listeners are curious too, how do you go from working in the corporate world to becoming a prostitute? <laughs> well, let's just tell it like it is, Annie. You know what? <laughs> I, I have to just say something to all the ladies out there that go, or or people that are thinking, which I'm hoping there's not many, but if you are and you have a religious spirit on you, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, oh my gosh, I would like never do that. That would be so disgusting. Like, wow. <laughs> or how about this? 
Well, I mean, I'm not a prostitute. I mean, I married a very wealthy guy. I didn't really love him, but, you know, I needed security. So guess what you just turned into, Mm -hmm. girlfriend? Mm -hmm. You just might have sold your soul to the devil. Speak it, sister. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Gold digger. No, just kidding. But not really. (laughs) I'm very serious about this. So for me, I really wanted to be a successful corporate businesswoman. Like, I've always felt that I've had a gift with people and with just conversational pieces and just getting to know people. I love being around a lot of people. Uh, I love leading and always had that type of personality and not really realizing that at the time as a teenager, I had a lot of friends that would follow what I did. Mm-hmm. And so when I got into the corporate world, my actual sister that passed away in 95, I'm she sorry. put a good word in for me. It's okay. Um, I know she's with Jesus. So mm-hmm. with Harvey Golub, which, by the way, was president back then of IDS. I don't know where Harvey Golub is now, which is now obviously American Express, right? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the company that we worked for. And within like five days, I got a yes, and I walked into that building and I loved it ladies let me tell you I loved having my own desk I mean back then they had the computers that were ancient okay let's let's say 1986 go back okay dial up I mean it was literally like IBM there's you know the screen's black and you have green letters coming to talk to you. That's yeah, it. Yeah. No internet, just, mm-hmm. you know, DOS and, and we had an accounting program, but I remember getting into that position, getting so excited because I remember my car insurance was 50 bucks. My health insurance, I think was 25. It was like awesome yeah. benefits. Right. And then they gave us, um, stock when we joined the company. Mm-hmm. So even though I wasn't making that much money, I knew that I could go up the corporate ladder. And sure enough, within six months, I got promoted. Mm-hmm. And another six months went by and I was about to be put it again into life accounting up another floor up. And that's when I started going out to the clubs and I met my traffickers. My, mm-hmm. I said future traffickers, I should say. Yeah. But the thing was that what drew me to the corporate world was just the Oh my gosh, just the success that I saw and the importance of a woman being her own boss. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believed one day I was going to have my own company and be a CEO, which I am now. Yes, hey, yeah. you are. For yep. Jesus. Yeah, I just wasted that. that was, <laughs> so, I didn't know what that would look like. And it, it looks so different than what I thought it was going to be. But I've always been attracted to any type of company that is successful and wants to better the lives of other people. Yeah. But, but me, then how, IDS was that, was that picture. How does that turn around then? You go to bars, you're out on the weekends or out in the evenings and you're partying down. And how do you meet a trafficker? I mean, this is stuff that, that puzzles a lot of our listeners. You know, it's, it's funny because you don't search or fish for a trafficker. It's mm-hmm. just, it's like, oh, I'm going to go look for a trafficker. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Literally, you're night. out there. And every woman, I want to say this to every young lady that's listening, if you're sneaking into bars, girl, I did it, I understand you. Minnesota was one of the easiest places I could do that because you just have to flirt with the bouncers, right? Yeah. And just, hey, good. Yeah. hey, Maybe I did that. a little bit, I lift up your miniskirt a little bit. You know, I mean, you do your little thing, show your leg, whatever. But that's the thing is that <laughs> I honestly, like, was so overworked because at the point at that point in my life I had gotten three jobs, ladies. I had uh, is Itchy Bond still there on Nicollet Mall? Uh, yes. Okay, I worked there, mm-hmm. and I worked at Delunos Pizza on the weekend. There you go. Delunos has the best pizza on Lake Street. Okay, <laughs> it's still there. 
small plug, right? I don't know if it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, they have the best pizza. But anyway, I worked those jobs because my whole desire was to get a nice car and to get my own place and to work off a corporate small salary. I mean, honestly, not a lot of money in the very beginning when you're entering into a company, you enter at level, level positions that are the lowest on the, on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be successful. And, you know, I, again, overworked myself. I'm a hard worker regardless. Mm-hmm. I, I really love to pour myself into work. I can't just sit around, ladies. I don't know about y'all, but this COVID thing, and if I didn't have a job, I would be going crazy. Mm-hmm. Amen. So anyway, Amen. yeah. So, so, have to so you're in the bar, you meet a guy. How do you know he's a trafficker? So we didn't. That's the whole thing. So it was on, under the radar, like incognito. We were literally sitting at the bar, and we were on the dance floor, and you ladies, listen to this. What's crazy about this whole scenario is right now as we speak, that bar is called Choices. Hmm. Interesting. It's a white building that used to be called Marshall's, and it was a legit nightclub. Mm-hmm. I knew the owner. He let us in underage. He, we were both, my, my girlfriend and I were both 18, 19 years old, and we had we had fake IDs, but we didn't have to show up because we knew the owner. We're like, we know Marsh. Let yeah. us in. Yeah, he'll let and us in. We were there sitting at the bar drinking Long Island iced teas, and there was probably maybe five people in the whole joint, and these guys come walking in. It was a weekday. It, we, were, we had gotten off work. We went to dinner, and we went to the bar after. Mm-hmm. And they walked in, and they had furs on and sunglasses. Now, you just might think that something is weird about that, mm-hmm. but for me, in the 80s, furs were the rage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that that group that doesn't like animal furs. I, I believe they were around back then, but I didn't care because mm-hmm. I wanted to wear a fur. Yeah, you saw the prestige and, I, and the money. and I'm, Who wouldn't want to wear a chinchilla fur or a fox fur sure. or a mink? I mean, I was like totally drawn to what they were wearing, and I was very curious about who is this? Yeah. Do these guys have money? And for me, I'm like, hey, if these guys have money, let me figure out a way that I can get some of their money. And then, Annie, so, then you ended up going to Hawaii at, I did. right after that, I right? I did. Yeah, it was probably about, I would say, a month after. It, I, I can't quote that exact time frame because and, I don't have, like, a right. diary with that but information. But then you got I, into prostitution in Hawaii? Is that what happened? I did. I did wow. because my girlfriend, one of the guys that we met that night, he became her boyfriend. He bought her a huge mm-hmm. ring. I mean, it was massive. Like, you know those little door locks that you use to twist the door? Yeah. And you close it in a house, right? Those mm-hmm. tiny little things. Mm-hmm. It was like that big, maybe a little bigger. She mm-hmm. had like a five or six or seven carat ring on her. It was huge. And I was just so taken back. I really thought it was fake. And she went and got it tested, and it wasn't fake. It was real. Mm-hmm. You know, he paid, you know, almost 30 grand for that ring. And so that lured you into this. Girl, I don't know about you, but I mean, when you're a teenager and you see a ring like that, there is no question. I'm going to run to the ring. Okay. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. You know, I was brought up on those old movies and especially with How to Marry a Millionaire. Mm -hmm. Oh, diamonds are, you know, Marilyn Monroe. It's like she was one of my idols. Yeah. And so I was like, yes, yes, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ladies, if you're listening, you're wondering what is Suge talking about? This is Women's Hot Topics, Him for Her Radio. And we have on Annie Loberg with us. And the book she has written is called Fallen. 
out of the sex industry and into the arms of the Savior. The show and her ministry is called Hookers for Jesus. And she's describing her past and some of the things that happened. And it just such an impact in her life. We have just a couple minutes left. Tell us a little bit about Julian and the gentleman that you met and what happened after that. So I didn't meet Julian until way after Hawaii because I got back to from Hawaii to Minnesota, quit all three of my jobs mm-hmm. and started escorting and then started working at the Skyway Lounge for party time. Party time had us booked all over Minneapolis and Wisconsin into different clubs to dance, strip dance. And I one night was working, he walked in and I just instantly fell in love with his looks. I was all about the looks. And so with Julian, I fell in love with just the way he looked. It was crazy. Like I was so drawn to his eyes, the way he talked, the way he moved. And I was, I was smitten. I, in fact, I was embarrassed to dance for him because I was like so shy with him because I thought this guy is going to be my husband. And of course he bought me a drink. We got to know each other. He moved in with me. And then all of a sudden we end up in Las Vegas because my girlfriend, the one that went to Hawaii, her trafficker had a house in, her trafficker had a house in Las Vegas, Minnesota, Baltimore, I think he had one in Chicago, and then his best friend had one in Hawaii. Mm. And the, these pimps were all trafficking women so through Annie, all their houses. How does prostitution, going into prostitution as a teenager, turn into sex trafficking? Okay, so here's the thing. Prostitution, people say it's pro-choice. But sex trafficking is this. It's anytime you're coerced and you're, you're fraudulently presented a lifestyle or a job or you're being completely forced into a way of living where you have to give up all your money and control to the dominating person. Why wouldn't women just walk away? That's really a great question. When it comes to trafficking, especially the kind I was in, which was Romeo trafficking, he was my boyfriend. He was the love of my life. He was my fiance. I, I would have died for this man. I would do anything for him. Mm. And yes, after the first initial major beatdown in Las Vegas, did I stay with him? Could I have walked away? Probably not. He was a very very violent man. He had guns and he, when he made a threat, he carried out his threats. I never saw him lie when Mm -hmm. it came to that type of thing. And in your your book, you said it's the beginning of intense brainwashing. So you actually, he lured you into loving him and then there was brainwashing and then that continued in that way. And in your book, you said that's, you know, it was hard to leave. Is that correct? You're trapped. You're trapped because you're isolated. There's emotional abuse. There's sexual abuse. There's monetary abuse. Mm -hmm. There's coercion. There's, there's all kinds of uh, manipulation that happens. And like I said, the brainwashing part was the biggest piece out of anything. Because when you, when you feel loved by someone, that is a drug in itself. You're Mm -hmm. addicted to that person. You're super codependent. And your whole life is is their face, what they do, what they believe in, their aura, their soul. Mm-hmm. You are attached to them like you're a part of them, like you're literally married to them, and you will risk mm-hmm. your life and give your life for them. And that's what happened with me and Julian. It just brought, what it, it brought me to tears, you know, Annie, when you talked about how he beat you to a pulp in front of other people as an example. And, yes. and, and yet it's just so addicting that you stay there because you, you're scared for your life. You're scared for different situations that come up. Um, Annie, we've got so much content here, and I'd love to make it into a part two. Would you stay, and we'll do a part two, and we'll discuss more about your ministry and more about your life? Let's do it. Let's do it. we got so much to talk about. <laughs> Ladies, my name is Sugbury. This is Him for Her Radio, and what I want you to know 
is that Jesus has a plan for your life. And if you feel like, no, I've gone too far, I got to tell you, in, in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come, this is Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen, Amen. sisters. And I want you to know, ladies, that it's never too late to turn to God, never too late to, to hand over the reins of your life to him, because he's just waiting for the invitation. Mm. Ladies, the prayer is simple. Father, I am a sinner. And I ask that you come into my life. Jesus, I need you. I need you to take the reins of my life and lead my life from this point forward. Forgive me for my sins and help me to turn toward you for the rest of my days. Mm -hmm. Annie Lobert, thank you for coming on. Hang in there. Reagan Kramer, we're going to do a part two. Ladies, if you said that prayer for the first time today, would you let me know? Tell somebody else, because you're in for the greatest joyride of the rest of your life. Ladies, this is Shug Burry. I love you. Over and out.